0: Welcome to Dodgers Daily. Casey Porter here. So glad you decided to tune in. Fans, today we have a very, very, very special guest. The host of Dodgers Dugout, the one, the only Doug McCain. Hey, Doug, welcome to my house, man. Super pumped to have you on.
1: So excited, Case. have had you on my show. You're very popular with the fans of Dodgers. Doug, I always say you have forgotten more baseball than most fans have ever known. So it's great to be on your show. An exciting time, really the most exciting time ever to be a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Can't wait to get into it, man.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting situation for me and an interesting time because you both, you and I both, we get very close to these, these guys like Brian Pepio, Johnny DeLuca, your bit, Vivas, and Victor Gonzalez. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic because you're super pumped for the Dodgers. You're kind of bummed that they're not going to be a Dodger. But then also it's a different emotion that they're going to get a whole new opportunity so you're excited for them. So it's a whirlwind of emotions, isn't it?
1: Absolutely is. I reached out to Pepio over the weekend. I was trying to be a little sensitive about it, but then when I heard back from him, he sounded like he was really excited. And When I told him, I was like, okay, if the Tampa Bay Rays want you, that's all I need to know as a player. To be identified by the Rays, that tells you that as good as you were last year, 214 ERA, you turned down the walk rate, the fastball command was so much better. We saw the filthy changeup. They think they can take you to another level, so I think he's excited about the opportunity. At the end of the day, these guys are all living the dream by being at the big league level so i'm excited for the guy but as you could as you mentioned it's definitely a mix of emotions when you have some sort of relationship that you've met these guys because you want to see them succeed in the team that you're reporting on that you're covering but i guarantee that anytime that pep is on the mound i'm gonna be following very closely
0: no doubt about that and i think a sleeper in this in tampa bay they're kind of like the dodgers in the sense that they find guys that metrically fit their system. I think they found a gold mine with, with Johnny DeLuca. Obviously, you get Tyler Glass now, you get a good guy in Man Manny Margot, who has a lot of major league experience. But I think Tampa Bay Devil Rays fans are going to be very excited about Johnny DeLuca.
1: I do too. I think with DeLuca, you look at the speed. Sprint speed is absolutely elite. You look at the versatility in the alpha, the way he can track down balls. I think offensively he showed his flashes. They didn't tear the cover off the ball or hit the ball extremely hard or anything like that. But I think that for him, he's someone you can plug in in any situation. If you give him the opportunity, I can absolutely see him being an everyday big leaguer. Could can also see him a fourth outfielder. But at the end of the day, I think he belongs at this level. At the end of the day, you got to give up something to get something. You mentioned Manny Margot. almost consider that the Tyler Glasnow tax in a way where they knew they wanted Glasnow, they knew they wanted the extension, also knew they had a need for a fourth outfitter, for a guy you could platoon with Jason Hayward. He's an above-average bat against lefties, below-average against righties, but when he's healthy, he's an above-average defender. He's a versatile defender. He's not the answer for their outfield picture at all offensively, but They're trying to get off that $10 million contract with the $2 million buyout, the Dodgers. Right now, they're as all in as they've ever been. So it does make some sense. And I think that you can find value out of Margot. I know you probably have already seen this, but his splits from the trop versus outside of the trop, they're very staggering. I'm very interested to see how he can perform on a World Series, a team that has World Series aspirations in Dodger Blue, just in a better environment. So I'm not totally out. I think Margot could be serviceable. And. If it takes Margot, even if it was Casey, even if it was Pepio and DeLuca for Glasnow, and Glasnow works out like they think he can, whereas he can be a guy that has top-shelf stuff, you still make that deal. So if you get Margot and he's serviceable, it's icy on the cake.
0: I will say when they threw the extension in, I I would be totally in with what you just said right there. Now, if you're looking at Tyler Glasnow for one year with Ryan Pepio for five, I think that would have thrown a different wrench into it
1: absolutely I mean that was really the negatives I mean if you were to do the cons it's one the durability concerns most starts in a season, 21. Most innings, 120. I mean, Back to the minor league level combined, a little over 135. But still, those are durability concerns. But like he said in today's press conference via Zoom, that after the Tommy John surgery, that he feels good. Yes, he dealt with an oblique injury, but sometimes it almost feels like until you ultimately have that surgery, that you're not going to be able to proceed injury-free. He mentioned during the press conference today that even his starts, where he had a good start, he was waking up feeling very, very sore. And today, talked about how he's not waking up feeling sore. He doesn't have to do a million things to get ready for his start. So I think you're getting the best version of Glass now. You have to trust the Dodgers' medical and development, their trainers, everything they have. You know they're top of the line. So if there's any team that I think is perfect for Glasnow. It is the Dodgers because one, like I said, medical and training staff. Two, they have the depth where you don't need him to go 170 to 200 innings in the regular season to win a division title. They made this move for October, not June and July. Right? They made this move because he has top ten stuff when he's right, and I think with the depth of this organization. They can miss a start here and there. And like Brandon Gomes said today, it's going to be fluid. They're going to be communicating with Glass now during the season to see how he feels. So, look, you know better than anyone, Casey, guys with that kind of stuff, yes. it just doesn't grow on trees. As much as I love Ryan Pep, you always mm-hmm. say he's got the pep in his step, yo, right? But even having said that, he is not a number one, Right. Glasnow on his best, day absolutely
0: is. When you look at at Margot, I, I get asked quite a bit, hey, what do you think the difference was with Jason Hayward with the Dodgers versus the rest of his career? It's very simple for me. First of all, I think he loved the culture here with the Dodgers, right? I think he fit right in with that. That helped him get to the top of his game. And then also, I think the Dodgers were able to give him a role, that gave him matchups that allowed him to succeed.
1: Absolutely. I think that you said it best, is that when you get these veteran players that have some skin in the game, that have been playing for multiple years, they know what they can and can't do at this stage of their careers. They know their limitations. Hayward, he knows that he's not your everyday outfielder, but when he was put with the Dodgers, shortening up that swing a little bit, he wasn't as exposed against high-velocity fastballs. You shortened that stroke, he limited the droughts. He was tearing the cover off the baseball all season long. He was putting great situations where he could thrive against right-handed pitching. And with Margot, there's not that pressure for him, right? The, for him, it's just about going out there and being solid, right? This team's not going to win or lose the World Series because of Manny Margot, right? It's about Otani. It's about Freeman. It's about Smith and Muncie and the top of the lineup and the starting pitching. But he can be a complimentary piece. He can be additive. And look, you could do worse than a Hayward and Margot platoon option in right field. And also, We know Andrew Friedman said it himself. Michael Bush does not belong in AAA. Michael Bush is a big league player, right? And if you do not have a role for him, you're not going to let him play in left field. If you're not going to have a spot from the infield, then you need to do what's right for him and need to flip him. If they sign Yamamoto, which I'm hoping they do, then you're probably not going to be in the Dylan C's trade market. You're probably not going to get Corbin Burns before the season, even the regular season. The prospect capital cost is going to be extremely high. Maybe that's where you cash in for your left fielder bat. And then if you improve that position – You're not having as much pressure as what's happening in right field. So I think it's a little overblown about the reaction. Omar Go is bad. He's not going to be good. Still think he has a chance to be solid. At the end of the day, you build these prospects for a couple of different reasons. Sometimes you build them to be contributors and fill roles, but sometimes you're the Dodgers and you have so much talent, you're able to acquire that talent via trade, via signing big names. And look, the reality is there's just not enough positions. There's too many players being blocked. And at the end of the day, their value is going to suffer. I mean, he's... North of 25 at this point. I know it's got to be very frustrating for him because at the end of the day, if I'm Michael Bush, I'm saying get me anywhere where I can get 300 to 500 plate appearances, start the process of making adjustments against big league pitching, and then I can see what I have. You just can't stash it. I don't want to see him win the rookie of the year at age 42, okay? It just can't be the case. But I'm still – I'm still very interested to see how this free agency pitching market is going to break because, I mean, they trade away Pepio and they trade away DeLuca. I think that came as a little bit of a surprise as to the names we were thinking about. We thought maybe a Frasso would be included, maybe a Kyle Hurt, someone with a little less big league experience. Because let's be honest, Casey, of all the starting pitchers outside of Bobby Miller, Pepio made the most sense for this team next year considering his experience.
0: He's the one who actually had a path to Major League. That was the only thing that frustrated me about the trade was when you talk about all these guys that are blocked, like Frosso and Knack and Hurt, guys that don't have consistent Major League roles defined for them right now, the two guys you actually got rid of did actually have a defined role for them next year. Pepio was going to be in the rotation. DeLuca was going to be at least a platoon outfielder. That was probably the only thing about the trade that frustrated me, is that you didn't fix your log jam with your prospects.
1: Yeah, essentially what you did is you trade a pitcher for a pitcher that you're betting on his upside. Yes. As you mentioned, what really sealed the deal for a lot of Dodgers fans is you got an extension done. If it was a five years of Pepio versus a one year of Glass now let's say he gets injured, then you're saying, okay, that was probably not the move. But The extension, if he has one good year, if he has two good years at that price with the direction of starting pitching, you're already getting value on that deal. You already are getting fair to below market on a player of his caliber. Look at Rodon got dealing with injuries. Look at what some of these other guys have received that are getting paid on rate stats versus overall counting stats, right? Look what Blake Snell's about to sign for. It is rare. I mean, we rarely see these deals where – It's a trade in extension. We saw it with Sonny Gray a few years ago, but these deals are far and few between, and the reason being is... Tyler Glasnow is from Santa Clarita, California. Yeah. He grew up loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Not a lot of teams. If you trade a, a Tyler Glasnow to, let's say, the Twins, he probably didn't grow up loving the Twins and all this great stuff. So the Dodgers are always taking advantage of these little built-in advantages that they have. They know these kinds of things. One thing I can tell you from just talking to people within this organization, every conversation I've had is that every single thing matters when it comes to player acquisition. The due diligence is done across the board. Things that we don't even consider are considered. And I can guarantee you that they knew that Glasnow and the Dodgers made a lot of sense. He already said, Glasnow said today that his mom's already saying to build a big house so everyone can live in it, go see him at games and this and that. So you can tell that he's thrilled to be a Dodger. And when you have a happy player that wants to be at a place, wants to win a World Series, that's what he said, sometimes the comfort the being comfortable is more important than just okay i'm getting 15 million dollars more 20 million dollars more i think it means more for some players to be in the perfect situation that can optimize and really keep their career as long as it possibly and lengthen it so i think that's big for glass now and as far as deluca he's the one that hurts for me because local kid ron 2.0 i do think there is a world where he could be in a above average outfielder and when you have shohei otani and you have a lot of money invested in superstars, and you're looking to add more, as many affordable players that you can hit on, that's how you have depth. That's how you lengthen these successful seasons. You really sustain this. So I'm always weary of trading away players that I think can contribute. is certainly one of those guys.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. I talked about with the, the trade with Yorbit Vibos and Victor Gonzalez. People were confused by that. Because they're like, you're getting back a, a shortstop that was just in double-A last year. And I've had a hard time explaining this to people that orbit Vivas wants that. And I thought this was a little bit of a mistake. I, I defend Dave all the time. I did think it was a, mis- a mistake for him to come out and, and be a little bit too assured, uh, assured about Mookie Betts moving to second base for the simple facts. that At that point, what do you do with orbit Vivas? He's already on the 40, man. He's at triple-A. So he didn't have a path once you said that. So then at that point, you need to figure out what you're going to do with your bit, Vivas. And then also, you had to clear 40-man spots. The Dodgers also, I don't think people realize, there is no depth at the AAA level right now at the shortstop position. There's basically no depth at the the AA position. Austin, got is your next guy. It was a trade that made total sense for the Dodgers. 100%.
1: 100%. You had to clear some spots. You don't have depth, at, a ton of depth at that position. Sweeney's a guy that definitely has some potential, and I think that they're in a position where you could develop him and trade him, right? You just need to find a way to get guys that have high upside, and that's what they're trying to do at that level, especially at that position. It's funny that you mentioned the thing about Dave Roberts in second base because every person that I contacted about, oh, is Dave Roberts spilling the beans on the Otani meeting? How big of an issue is that? Does the organization care? The only thing I heard was, one, no, it's irrelevant. It's not a big deal. All he did was answer a question honestly. That's all he did. But usually what I was told was, they cared more about him coming out with the Mookie Betts as my everyday second baseman. That that came out of left field. He kind of went rogue with that one. And as you mentioned, that's kind of what impacts them as far as trade leverages and that sort of thing. So it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I can tell you that that's definitely – that was more of an issue than the Otani stuff. I mean, it was just kind of a boring 24-hour news cycle. People ran with it. But, yeah, as far as Victor Gonzalez, he's someone, of course, we saw what he did in 2020 – the, some of the indelible images of him just fired up on the mound. He's had a lot of down moments. He was overcome them. And at this point, for this bullpen and where they're headed, look, just the quality just from a pitching standpoint has increased, right? And I think that Victor Gonzalez, I don't think that they were in a position to really deal with kind of the variance of him at this stage. And at this point, I like what they did with that Good deal. It kind it. of goes to show that, they're yes, they're signing Otani, but they're also doing deals like that that can pay dividends down the line.
0: I like the way that you said they said it there, the variance because hey, at the beginning of last year and the end of last year, Victor Gonzalez was fantastic for the Dodgers, but then there was just kind of this. So the very this isn't a team that needs that. They don't have time for that. They need guys that that aren't. I, I love the way that you put that. Okay, and I kind of thought you know, touch it on your Dave Roberts comments. It'd be like if I was his boss, I'd be like, dude, what's the advantage for you to come out and say Mookie Betts is going to be our everyday second baseman? I mean, what advantage do we get out of you saying that? That would kind of be my point with that, right?
1: i think with dave look i will say this just being around dave and see him in person his personality is a 10 out of 10 off the yeah. charts infectious the energy but sometimes with dave it's like once that train has left the station right it's not going in reverse right and once he starts to get going especially on a show especially with alana rizzo someone who he's really close with really good friends with dave Likes the spotlight a little bit, right? He kind of likes that. You always want Dan Patrick guaranteeing a World Series, barring health a few years ago. They <laughs> will say stuff, okay? And I think that at this point, if he's going to be your manager, you want him to be 100%. Unadulterated, unequivocally himself, right? You want him to be Dave Roberts all the time. I always say that with Dodgers fans, he kind of has to win two World Series just to win one, to, to win over this fan base completely. But I, like you said, as far as from an advantage standpoint, a leverage standpoint, this team likes to stay as buttoned up as they possibly can. That's why Brandon Gomes and Andrew Friedman essentially verbatim said the same thing with their reaction to Dave talking about Otani, that they were surprised about it. Yeah. And then Friedman said that we had a conversation. But as far as that position, I think teams around the league, though, Casey, they know what the Dodgers have, right? They know the high upside, high potential. Even Cartaya's dropped off, right, this year, but still, you can sell him on potential, right? Sure. The call is the potential. They also know the guys that are plug and play, the guys that you can trade for win now type of players that are close to the show. So I think that. The reputation of the Dodgers farm system is legit. And I think that they're not too afraid and too worried about the quality of their prospects dropping and really them kind of losing leverage at a certain position. At the end of the day, you know they've already exchanged names for a lot of these prospects. And, yeah, the Dodgers tax is real. They'll tell you that behind the scenes. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that no one really wants to help the Dodgers, but the same token, Casey, you know is better than anyone. The Dodgers, the resources, the way they develop, it's like you're fast-tracking prospects. It's like, you know, they're raising the child for you, right? And then you get them, and they're already ready for college and to get that degree, and they already have everything figured out at that point. So still, this organization is tip-top when it comes to that.
0: The Tom is of the world, the scout that that found James Altman, and the Jonah Rosenthal's who found Jake Polarski and some of these other guys that have just kind of busted onto the scene – those guys aren't going away for the Dodgers, right? And then the, the instructional system, Doug, Doug I, I talked to these guys for you know many different times, whether it be in Tulsa or Oklahoma City, and even way before they get here. I have never heard a player say anything other than the the instructional system in the Dodgers system is just absolutely insane. And I really like to ask the questions like with a Kevin Gowdy or somebody like that who's been in different organizations. And it's amazing the things that they say about this organization.
1: Yeah, even if the Dodgers have to include more volume to get a player that they want, whether it be a Dylan Cease, right, or if a Corbin Burns becomes available, or if they want to try to dip into the Willie Adamas waters, if that becomes a thing, right? I mean, they absolutely have, uh, they're deep when it comes to pitching and they have a surplus there. You know you have to free up some spots on this 40-man at some point. So, look, we all knew, we all pointed to this offseason as the season where they were going to make trades, and it's already happened. We've seen the Tyler Glasnow move, right? I mean, there's no rule that says you can only make one trade with one team. If Randy Rosarena becomes available, I'm sure there'll be some communications there. But I think the big domino right now is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And when he signs... That is going to be the big domino that will lead to Blake Snell signing. That will lead to Jordan Montgomery signing. That will lead to Giolito signing. And then we'll see Dylan Cease traded. And from what I've heard, the Dodgers are still very much interested in trading for Dylan Cease. There was a report uh, yesterday that the White Sox were interested in Ryan Pepio. So with Ryan Pepio off the table, who do they plug in in that situation? That's going to be very interesting. But the good thing about the Dodgers is – they, they're never desperate, right? I always say about Andrew Freeman, he only speaks when it's time to say checkmate, right? They're not going to call a team and say, oh, you take all these prospects, we're desperate for Dylan C's. If they think they're getting a raw deal, if they don't see the net benefits and the value, they're not going to overpay in their mind for a certain player. They're going to do everything from a measured approach. And we saw that with Tyler Glasnow. I mean, our friend Bruce Kuntz, who... Came up who was out in front of this story, he yeah. that was reported, and then it really kind of simmered for a few days. And in my opinion, the reason why no news broke is because the Dodgers didn't want to have any headlines in front of the Otani press conference, right. right? It's those small little details within this organization where they are not going to be rushed into any move. So, look, at this point, how could you doubt this organization, Casey? They got the top target, the biggest free agent of all time. You already got an ace, you added a bat, you brought back Jason Hayward. I think it's just about continuing the to put the pieces to the puzzle in this offseason, and right now I think they're right on
0: pace. I think they're right on pace, but I don't think they're anywhere close to done. I still think they need to add an outfielder, and I, I thought it was very smart. You mentioned the dominoes falling. I mentioned this on my live show last night. I thought it was very smart for Arizona to sew up Louis Guriel Jr. before those dominoes fell because he was my one of my favorites, if not my favorite, free agent outfield target so I thought that was smart of them to do that so do you think the outfield as it sits right now is good enough
1: absolutely not I think you absolutely need to add more pop I mean I think at this stage we're talking about guys like Victor Gonzalez and the variants and this and that at this point it's about if you can contribute and help us win a World Series this year then you're gonna have a big role on this team anything outside of that thankfully last year I think my biggest takeaways, Bobby Miller emerged, James Altman emerged. Those are the two most important things for this year that happened last year, right? I can trust those guys. Left field, they need someone who I don't think it's a platoon situation. I think you need to find a guy at that position that can give you 20 to 25 home runs, play average to a little bit above average defense, and be there in post each and every day, for as long as you possibly can. I think you don't want to get too creative at that position. That's why Randy or Arena, the big kicker, is sometimes a lot of this stuff is timing, Casey. If he was under one more year of team control, I guarantee you they would have found a way to yeah. have him included in that deal. This, the fact that he has under three years of team control, he's getting $7 million next year projected, and that's a very... Cost-effective, high-value contract that a lot of teams would jump at. So, I absolutely think that you need to have a left fielder. I mean, it's very interesting case. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. That was your show, but I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this. I don't know if you hear Dave Roberts slipping the idea of Shohei Otani playing some outfield towards the end of next season. Me, it's all about circumstance. If you have injuries, if somehow, someway, you find a way to trade for Nolan Arenado, that'd be a dream scenario. You could move Max Muncy to DH. But me personally, I would rather stick to DH pitch next season, give us 40 to 50 bombs, hit over 300. Because we saw what happened with Gavin Lux a couple years ago. Just because you're athletic and fast, and yes, Otani has some experience in the outfield, doesn't mean that you can get plugged right in and play Correct. that an elite level in a big game.
0: No doubt. I think if Otani ends up in left field, it's because something else didn't work. So that's not a good situation for the Dodgers because I don't think that's in any way, shape, or form plan A. And any time you go to plan B – That means plan A didn't work, right? So I don't think Shohei Ohtani in left field is something at this point that the Dodgers fans should be rooting for from that perspective. And, by the way, congratulations to James Altman for getting that pre-R bonus, right? He deserves it.
1: He absolutely does. I mean, James Altman, what more can you say about the guy? seventh-round pick? Like you told me, they told him that his swing looked like a caveman. They broke it down (laughs) completely. And now he's an above-average bat, an above-average outfielder under team control. Also, if we're going to – Pull the fans. We're gonna pull the fans as far as who's their fan favorite. He's already like top five. I mean, you go to the games, Casey, and it's Mookie Betts, yeah, Freddie Freeman, yeah, James Alman, yeah. I mean, he gets bigger cheers than them sometimes. And sometimes those players, of course, he looks like Tarzan, doesn't play like Jane, right? Sometimes (laughs) certain players, they have that just certain something and a certain connection with the fans. James Alman has that. He's someone where I heard early in. The talks with Dylan Cease, a lot of White Sox fans were hitting me up. Okay, give us James Alvin. Give us James Alvin. I said, absolutely not. I mean, of course, no player is untradeable, but he's someone that I would hate to lose just because of everything he brings in. The fact that you got Jason Hayward back to – take him under his wing once again, I think that's going to be massive. But look, I mean, there were some rumors early on. They were looking at Teoscar Hernandez, right? Teoscar Hernandez is someone who strikes out a lot, does have some pop. But I definitely think that when you look at this lineup in last season, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman combined to go one for 21 in the NLDS. Year before that, it was too top heavy. As great as it's going to be to see probably the best one, two, three in baseball history with Betts, Otani, and Freeman you definitely want to have guys in that six through nine spot that you can you can get the occasional big home run, right? Sometimes those home runs, that's what will flip the series, mm-hmm. right? Because you're using all the energy to get out the top of the lineup. Finally, you let one slip. You miss a pitch, mm-hmm. and those guys, they take advantage of that. You do get Gavin Lux back, right? And I have a lot of faith that Lux is, at the very least, going to hit for a pretty decent average. Lux joked with me last year. He's like, man, I was like, why do you work out? I mean, I asked him about his physical differences and how he looks – like he had been in the gym. He's like, I want to hit more than seven home runs, right? So want to see him hit with some more pop. But I think absolutely that's a missing piece. But I'll also tell you this, too, kind of going back to Mookie Betts at second, it's a lot easier to find an outfielder, a core yes. outfielder with pop than it is to find an infielder that can hit 39 home runs and give you 100-plus RBI. And be has versus as Mookie Betts. So if there's one move that I'd be okay with them make, making during the season, because let's be honest, Casey, we need some in-season trade content yeah. at some point. I want right. to do the whole thing. I want to finish painting all the pictures. Wild Card messed all that up. Yeah, exactly, right? There's one Position I'm okay with during the season it'd be that. Let me if they like for example let's say if they win trade for Tommy Pham last year or something like that that would could be some direction they could go.
0: Okay, with Doug McCain here of Dodgers Nation, I've said many different times the absolute best, absolute best Dodgers content creator out there. Dodgers dugout every single night and that's not just me saying that to you i say it on my show every single live show that i have and you can ask any of my fans that come on that is absolutely 100 percent a total fact two more questions for me d mac and and question number one is should the dodgers bring back clayton kershaw
1: I would say one hundred percent with a bullet. I think that there's certain players, Casey, that it's they're in rare air. They're sitting at the table with basically Jackie, Vin, Tommy Lasorda, Kirsch. Like I mean, I'm not even throwing out those names lightly, right? There's just some players that should get to determine their fate, that should get to write their ending, and I think that. If he wants to pitch again, which if you heard him on AM570, interviewed by Dave Vassay, it sounds like he wants to pitch again. Now, he's never had to deal with a major arm surgery recovery, dealing with his shoulder. We'll see how he responds. But if he's going to toe the slab for a Major League Baseball team again, it absolutely has to be the Dodgers. I don't care if you have to move Dallas to Los Angeles, (laughs) right, and find some way to do it. But he has to finish his career with the Dodgers. Because he case, what I was saying was this. He kind of alluded to this in his interview with Dave Vassay how he kind of doesn't want to go out the way he did. And, of course, his last start literally was statistically the worst start of his professional career. Gave up six runs, went just a third of an inning. If he goes to the Rangers, even if he has success – for Dodgers fans, it's always yeah. going to be his last start in Dodger Blue. That's how I'm not saying that's how he'll be remembered, because I think his legacy is absolutely cemented. He has nothing to prove to anyone. He's a walking statue for his battle hall of famer. But if that's something that he's considering as far as that last start, unless he comes back with the Dodgers, I don't think that going with the Rangers gonna help that. But as far as where he fits in, of course, it's a very righty-heavy rotation at this point. Not too many options. They're not going to go after Blake Snell. You really haven't heard them mentioned in any Jordan Montgomery rumors or anything like that. Imanaga has been hinted at. So it makes you wonder if they go out there and go hey, to Lizardo. Lizardo is another interesting name that we've been talking about. He's someone I'm actually higher on than than some of the other guys because of – as far, when you compare them to some of the other guys that are out there, let's say you miss on a Yamamoto and then you're kind of exploring the trade market once again – then I think you could be looking at a situation where you save a little bit of the money and you kind of, you'll look at, okay, let's add a lot of depth to this rotation. You know guys are inevitably going to be injured at some point. You got Walker Buehler on a pitch limit. So I definitely think that he's a name that I would strongly consider if I were the Dodgers. And as far as Kershaw goes, I like to see him back on some sort of a two-year deal. Yeah. It doesn't put pressure on him to come back next year. Because let's be honest, that Instagram post, very optimistic. But – He's never dealt that injury. We saw Blake try and deal with a shoulder injury until they're back on the mound, until they started throwing. You just never know. But I don't care if it's one more start. I need to see Clayton Kershaw end his career with the Dodgers the right way. And look, I mean, this team, Casey, like, let's be honest. You've watched baseball your whole life. You coach baseball, broadcasted baseball. This next year's version of the Dodgers, they could go down as one of the all-time teams. We're talking Murders Row Yankees, the Reds of the 70s, right? The Indians of the 50s. I mean, of course, they won a World Series, but those teams that you just remember the mm-hmm. players and the moments, and I think Kershaw would love to be a part of that.
0: So I've kind of mentioned this. This is a little bit outside the box, but you don't have any 40-man spots right now, and I think the advantage that Clayton Kershaw gives the Dodgers is that when you get to spring training and you actually then have the ability to put Dustin May and Tony Gonslin on the 60-day, That then clears two spots on the 40-man. I think you could possibly wait until then to sign Clayton Kershaw. And also, I think the Dodgers are the one team that could offer him the role that he's actually capable of uh, performing in right now. Is that too outside the box?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, we've seen the Dodgers manipulate the the 60-day. We've seen them manipulate the IL for years. And I think that when it comes to strategically doing that, knowing that you're not going to get Dustin May back until the end of next summer. You're going to be out a Tony Gonsolin. If they want to find a way to get... Kirsch back at his organization so he can rehab through their programs and their trainers. Dr. Neil Elitrott's the same boost that was for Otani is probably going to be a boost for Kirsch, right? So I truly believe he wants to continue his playing career. It's going to be with the Dodgers. also think, too, as far as you were saying, putting him in where he needs to be, look, they're not going to ask him to be their game one, two, or even three starter, right? He's going to come back in a greatly reduced role, Right. And I think that he needs to sit down with Dave Roberts, and have a clear cut conversation, and say, look, you're not going to rewrite the the history of my career. Right. The narrative is the narrative. The, I, I fear Dave Roberts a little bit in this situation where Kershaw finds a way back. Do so you throw him out there in a situation? No, all that's over. Right. All that is done. It's more about just him coming back almost on a ceremonial level. And, look, the reality is when he was healthy last season, he still was the Dodgers' best pitcher. All the numbers back that up, right? And If he can get anywhere close to that and be effective, I think it would be great. We'll say this, though, just the pride of Clayton Kershaw, I just can't picture him taking a role where it's a crazy diminished role, right? I just don't anticipate that. The greats like that, they know when it's gone, they're going to be gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if you just hung them up.
0: Last question for me, D-Mac, Doug McCain of Dodgers Nation, the best Dodgers content creator out there. So no doubt about it whatsoever. Last question for me, I'm going to throw you a fastball here, just like I did your buddy Clint Pasillas Friday night when he joined on our Dodgers Dog Show, Doug. Okay, and the question is, you mentioned how great this team is going to be. Is it either win a World Series or the season is a failure?
1: That's a great question. It's a fantastic question. And my response to that is I would say the very next year, the rational answer to that has to be no, right? Because even though you get Shohei Otani, he's going to be DHing. He has been pitching a lot, he's been pitching to. Mm-hmm been pitching to glass now he pitched the Yamamoto as far as the sales pitch to the Dodgers but he's not gonna be pitching right as far as how it will be viewed by generally the fan base yes World Series or bust but I look at it as this is a new era of Dodger baseball and this era of Dodger baseball absolutely is World Series or bust if that World Series comes next year great to me with how unpredictable baseball is I just want one World Series and 162-game season with a parade, and this <laughs> fan right here, I could die a happy man, right? I just want one of those in my lifetime. I've never experienced one of those, right? But I do think that this team, the way they're built, the way that Otani's contract is structured, if they win one and the confidence starts building and they start rolling, and that'll tell me that Otani's built for the postseason like we know he is. We saw what he did in the WBC. I could see this Team becoming a dynasty. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things, one of the messages they sent by signing Otani is that yes, you got the Yankees, you got the Cowboys, you got the Lakers, you got all these marquee franchises out there. The Dodgers are out there saying, look, we're either on their level already or we're in that very next tier with an opportunity to reach that level in the next decade and i truly believe when you look at the history of this franchise dating back to brooklyn with all the legendary iconic teams jackie robinson koufax the Dodgers stadium tom lasorda vin scully this franchise with otani and this group led by andrew friedman they have a chance to truly have a dynasty win two or three world series titles and then we're truly talking about this franchise as the preeminent franchise of Major League Baseball, the model franchise. And I truly believe that that internally is the goal with Mark Walter and Andrew Friedman. The only thing I took away, Casey, from Otani's press conference, the only thing that really resonated with me, other than the fact his dog, his name is Decoy. I'll <laughs> change my, my Twitter to Decoy underscore LA. But look, the only thing that really resonated with me was in that pitch meeting with Otani, they said last 10 years, made the postseason, won multiple pennants, won the World Series in 2020. They consider that a failure. And every time the season ends and the Dodgers, if they get bounced in the first round like they did the last couple years, or we saw what happened in 2018, 2019, everyone always feels like, oh, they want to win more than the Dodgers. It almost feels that way, right? Like, why aren't they firing this guy? Why aren't they? The Dodgers, I guarantee you, they want to win internally more than anyone does. So as far as next year, I wouldn't say it's World Series or bust. I would say it'd be disappointing and I will say this, Casey, that if they flamed out with a healthy roster, then it's as much as I love Dave Roberts, then it might be time to have the conversation of sake for the sake of change. Yes, correct. How else would you save the narrative, right? But I would say it's era based. Next three years, no world series or if they don't win a world series with the primes of Freddie, Mookie and Otani, then I say it was a bust.
0: Yep. And the re- if you do win a World Series, the reason why I think you could win three, maybe even upwards to four World Series, is because the reasons why you would win that World Series are going to be in this organization for long periods of time, right?
1: For sure. I mean, you still have. I mean, if there's Freddie Freeman, I always say he's baseball's version of fine wine. He is literally <laughs> yeah. statistically getting better with age. If you look at his pregame routine, if you, I'm you know I'm so I'm so excited to see these guys on the same field at the same time. I think that Otani is going to really appreciate playing alongside Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and how routine-based they are because he's very routine-oriented himself. And these guys are all consummate professionals. They know at this point, Casey, that they've won MVPs. They've been all-stars. All that's left is to pad their resumes with World Series titles. I think Mookie... He wants to shed a little bit of this, okay, I'm Mr. August and not Mr. October. I think Freddie Freeman wants to say, you know, I want to stick it to the Braves and win a World Series with the Dodgers, right? I want to see Freddie win an MVP next year and win a couple World Series and go to the Hall of Fame as a Dodger, right? I have lofty goals for this group, and I think the most important thing is you mentioned the Sweeney trade earlier. That's why I love this organization, and I appreciate what they do is because they're thinking of long-term debt. They saw what Otani wasn't able to do playing alongside the best player of his generation, Mike Trout. They know that they aren't going to stand a chance unless they hit on guys on the margins. And as you mentioned, as one of your reasons why you think this team could form a dynasty because you got all these players locked up. Also, you're going to get those ring chasers, right? You're going to get guys on one-year deals like JD Martinez last year that wouldn't otherwise because they know LA is where it's at. But, I do just uh, – I'm curious to see, what is your response to that? Do you think it's World Series or bust next year?
0: Oh, I don't think there's – well, next year I think they need to make the World Series, no doubt, just for the simple fact that I, they're going to be the best team in the National League, right? If everybody does exactly what the, the best they can do next year, they're in the World Series. Now, I don't know how good the Yankees are going to be, that kind of thing, but definitely I, I think it's a it's a major, major disappointment if you don't make the World Series next year. My off.
1: I do look, it'll be a disappointment for sure, right? But I think, like you said, if you could make the World Series, just think about how electric that would be in yes. general. I look, I'll say this, I will say this out there, Casey. Let me just put this out there. I'm not worried about the World Series next year. If they get past the NLDS and the NLCS yeah. with Shohei Otani, they're winning Correct. that damn World Series, right? Yeah, I right. worry about the NLDS because that is when the margins for air. That's when you get the five-day layoff, and that's when teams can come in hot, sneak yes. up on you. All the <clears throat> pressure starts mounting. You feel the tension, Dodgers Stadium, and then before you know it, it's a 2-0 series, then you're on the road, and things happen. And it just The game moves so quickly in the NLDS that with the deeper teams don't have as much of an advantage. Dodgers are a deep team. You get past the NLDS, I like my chances even more. You get past the NLCS, we ain't losing the World Series. I'll just tell you that right now. Otani is not going to get to that mountaintop and not perform You've watched baseball your whole life. You know that this is a guy that I've never seen as far as the fire each and every pitch, the attention to detail each and every pitch. I love what Friedman said at his press conference that just kind of looking back at him, there were games where the Angels were up big, still was taking every single pitch, running Mm -hmm. out ground balls to try to get singles, even when they were – down big. So I think that that's going to be infectious. And I think that having Otani is one going to free up some things for Mookie and Freddie. And I also think that from a pressure standpoint, him being the face of this organization, he's just going to have such a positive impact on all of his teammates. And look, let's be honest, last year's team, they had a lot of stars, right? This team now, they're a phenomenon. These, these yeah. are a rock star team. Like you saw with Coach Prime in Colorado where people didn't watch college football they tuned in for that you're going to see that with this dodger team that's the magnitude of shohei
0: ohtani no doubt about it and also the reason why you can't you can't ever say not winning a world series is a failure because i don't think people understand just how ridiculously hard and actually you have to have a certain amount of good fortune to actually win a title. So I don't ever consider just not winning the title ever a failure because I've been in those situations. I saw Oklahoma State in the 80s with their dynasty, with Pini Cavilla, Robin Ventura, be the best team five or six times and things just didn't work. So I like your take there, Doug, that, hey, let's get to the World Series Let's see what happens from there. I think that's exactly spot on with that. So, hey, Doug McCain of Dodgers Nation, Doug McCain of Dodgers Dugout, the number one Dodgers content creator out there, doesn't matter what platform it might be. want to thank you so much for joining Dodgers Daily.
1: Awesome, Kay. We appreciate you, Casey. You're the man. We can't wait to have you on our show again. And uh, all of the fans here at Dodgers Nation, Dodgers Dugout Live, they love you, love having you on the show. We appreciate everything you do covering Dodger baseball at the Miley level, at the big league level, keeping us informed what's going down in OKC. We talked about that logo, the rebrand. I liked your idea as far as the, was the 89ers, right?
0: Yes, sir. The, and the background of that is the 1889 land run is is where all the land was given away in Oklahoma, so it has a historical tie to the state.
1: To listen to Casey. That'd be such a fire hat with the 89ers on it. That'd be awesome. But yeah, we'll talk soon. Like I said, I feel just happy to be covering this team in this era. We have so much to look forward to. Let's get agreed. I always say that our parents had a really good year last year and a lot of... Presence under the tree. Let's get greedy and just get Yamamoto, get an outfielder, and let's just be done and let's just go out there, win 100 games, and go on to the World Series. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Kind of going back to one more thing is the best team in baseball has a 30% chance of winning the World Series, right? It's not like that in other sports. If you want that, follow F1 and Max Verstappen, right? Follow the Golden State Warrior, Kevin Durant team. Like, this is the baseball is just not for the faint of heart. And I've just kind of surrendered to that. But at the end of the day, you got to win a World Series to declare this era of baseball a success. That's not asking for much. I'll take two and three, but give me one. Let's start right there.
0: And we welcome you into Dodgers-Dogs, as you just saw, Doug McCain. Doug is just absolutely awesome. I thank him so much for spending time and, and giving his thoughts on some of the current events. And I, I just love getting to talk to him just about Dodgers baseball. It's just super awesome. Austin, awesome. welcome in. And, a lot to talk about as we just finished talking with the man Doug McCain.
2: Yeah, a lot to talk about today. And first off, I just want to say thank you to D Mac for joining the show. It's an absolute honor and just just a, so so much of a joy when he's able to come on. He brings such enthusiasm to uh, kind of the entertainment and and really knowledgeable side to Dodgers baseball. As you mentioned, he's the He's the standard as far as Dodgers content creators, and so it's an absolute joy whenever we're able to interact with him. But speaking of the world of Dodgers right now, uh, there is certainly a lot to talk about, uh, particularly when it has to do with Yoshinobu Yamamoto as (laughs) far as what his decision is going to be and what the Dodgers are going to do, whether he signs with the team or whether he doesn't. There's certainly a lot to talk about that seems to be at least on the minds right now of most Dodgers fans. It
0: just kind of seems like it's been leaning towards the Yankees. But then you, the thing about it is, you're like, you felt like Otani was leaning away from the Dodgers. And then at the last second, he ended up being a Dodger. And then you also feel like the Dodgers have the best team assembled in baseball, especially if Yoshinobu Yamamoto ends up in the Dodgers organization. Then they really have the best team in baseball. So it just kind of feels like the momentum is Yankees. But then if you just kind of rationalize and think about it, you kind of think at the end, he's going to go, well, I got to go with the Dodgers. It's just too good of a situation. That's kind of where I'm at. Yes.
2: Yeah, there's certainly a lot right now. I remember uh, with the Otani thing, obviously, because I remember we did a show Kind of leading up right before that, where all the momentum seemed to be, or at least a lot of the momentum seemed to be on Toronto's side. I think it was that Thursday before he signed. Uh, And right now there seems to be a lot of momentum, seemingly to New York, uh, especially the Yankees. Now, with this, with these free agency, I think it's important to know that we don't necessarily know. What exactly is going on there could be a lot of things that are put out there intentionally to try to raise up an offer there could be a whole wide variety of different factors I think this what's clear right now is the Dodgers seem to be highly prioritizing the talent that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto I think they are seriously trying to invest In the type of pitcher he is, because he is a 25 year old pitcher on the free agent market. That never happens or rarely ever happens, especially with the quality that he provides. And so I think they are actively trying to do that. It still is on Yoshinobu Yamamoto as far as where he wants to sign. So if he wants to go to New York, which the Yankees are going to, they desperately need, like the Dodgers do, a front-line, top-of-the-line starting pitcher to go with the Garrett Cole, to go with Carlos Rodon, and the rest of that staff. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to help them if he decides to go there. However, we know the Dodgers are actively looking for pitching as well, so I think they're going to, try to provide the best offer that they can hope that Shohei can kind of work and try to convince him to become part of the Dodgers because this Dodgers team the way it's currently looking like it's going to be constructed is going to be special so I think that is certainly an attractive feature but the Dodgers also will be able to because of the foundation that they have built through the farm system through everything that they have built They will have the ability to pivot if Yamamoto decides to go to New York. So right now, we're kind of waiting for that Christmas present. Hopefully, Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh, is going to decide to join the Los Angeles Dodgers. If not, then you're going to be looking for some sort of trade route. It's going to hurt giving up some some of these prospects, uh, and it might limit some of your options as far as what you do for the outfield. There will be a little bit more flexibility with that. So, regardless of what happens with that, whether Yamamoto, you get such a great talent and you get one of those frontline certain pitchers you need, or if you have the ability to pivot and look for somewhere elsewhere, I think there are positives that you can look at with either one of those options. But right now, that seems to be the priority. Get Yoshinobu Yamamoto.
0: The thing about it is, I think the Dodgers are going to offer up to $300 million. That is a serious serious offer i mean if he wants to be a dodger 300 million is plenty who knows what steve cohen would go up and drive drive the price to with the mets you know i mean there's just absolutely no telling how high he would go i don't think the dodgers i brought this up on twitter the other night we actually talked about this on our show the other night do you think it, the dodgers should offer more than 300 million almost every single dodgers fan said Hey, stop at three hundred million. If he wants to be a Dodger, then he'll be a Dodger. If not, it, it's if it goes above three hundred million, then then it's it's probably more at that point less about money and more about just kind of the ego of getting the most that you possibly can. Because I mean, that's a lot of money either way. But here's the deal: I mean, that you're going to be playing with Shohei Ohtani, you're going to be one of the most marketable human beings on earth. I just can't imagine being on that Dodgers team with Shohei Ohtani and all the superstars that are on that team that even if your salary is, say, $25 less than, than, say, the Mets offered, okay, being in that market and with that team, you would have to think that all the endorsements would just leapfrog anything else salary-wise. He would get offered from anyone else. So I think if it's strictly down to money and you look at opportunity and not just salary, the Dodgers win there. I think when you look at the actual club that's in place, I think the Dodgers win there. I think when you look at, you know, winning World Series and, and 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 putting rings on your finger, the Dodgers win there. I think literally the only thing that could send him to New York is if he doesn't want to be in the shadow of Shohei Ohtani and he just simply likes the lifestyle of New York better than he likes the lifestyle of LA, which I can't see that being the case because I don't think he would prefer cold-weather baseball over warm-weather baseball, seeing that they all have domes in, in Japan, correct?
2: Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, those are some really excellent points, and we don't really have any <clears throat> insight as far Nobody as does. how much how much comfort uh, matters to any sort of free Asian, especially with free Asian like Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, whether he'd be more comfortable on the West Coast versus the East Coast, Cold environment versus a warm environment, although I think most players would probably prefer the, prefer the warmer weather, uh, all of these different factors. And I think that's a really excellent point that I hadn't thought about as far as different sponsorship Opportunities, especially when you have the connection with a Shohei Otani, being able to do stuff with him to provide some sort of sponsorship opportunities that perhaps might not be as grand as some other opportunities could be a way for the Dodgers to be able to pitch to Yamamoto that these are going to be opportunities, even if the value of the dollar per se is less as far as the actual total opportunities will be there for you and it will be a nice comfortable place and with especially with a team like new york who looking at some of their major league roster there have been some holes that have crept in there have been some worries as far as how the roster is constructed you wonder if signing a Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to fix everything, or if some of those holes will kind of crack back in there and at signing with a team like the Dodgers, not only do you get to play with Shohei Otani, you get to be part of an organization that is all in for winning and has had a reputation, per se, better than the Yankees over recent years of that winning. So I think there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of... Interesting decisions that Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to have to weigh, and we're not going to know until he makes his final decision. He'll have to do that by early January, I believe, is when January be, 4th. Uh, January 4th, yeah. So he'll have to do that within 10 days after Christmas. So uh, we will be just finding out pretty soon, quickly after that. Once this domino falls, especially because a lot of teams are looking for pitching then teams are going to turn to either the Blake Snell, the Jordan Montgomery or which I think the Dodgers would do if Yamamoto signs elsewhere, they would look to more of the trade market and looking for some of the other arms that are available there and using some of the resources, some of the prospects that they have been able to uh acquired that they have been able to develop to try to get that frontline starting pitcher elsewhere i think that would be the better move for the dodgers at least in their mind instead of getting locked up in a contract for a pitcher who is on the other side of 30 i think they would prefer to go the trade route as opposed to that where with Yamamoto, he's only 25. I think you feel a little bit better as far as that long-term investment with an arm like that.
0: This Yamamoto signing is gigantic for the Dodgers. I know i said this a couple of times. You said this many different times. You, you just hammered it home really well. He's only 25, so it makes it worth the 10-year contract because you're only talking to the age 35, of which you know as well as I do, Austin, after about the age of 31 – that's about the time where you start seeing regression, especially offensively, but with pitchers too. But having said that, that doesn't mean that has to happen, correct? I mean, so you yes. can be very, very, very Cy youngish. I mean, well, we, we say it all the time. Well into your 33, 34, 35, right? And you can do it even even into your 40s as well. I mean, we we've, we've seen guys be very successful there. So you're getting the right age to give a 10-year contract guy to – and think about this, Austin. Think about this, Dodgers fans, if you're out there right now. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, listen to this, okay? If you sign with the Dodgers, the Dodgers will have taken a 100-win team and they will have added Shohei Otani. The Dodgers will have had a 100-win team and added Tyler Glass now, Manuel Margot, and you, and still haven't given up a single prospect yet. Not one. Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca, I understand but they aren't prospects. They were Major League Baseball players. Okay, think about that, Yoshinobu. Think about that team. The Dodgers are going to dump some prospects for some elite talent to add to that team that you're getting ready to come to, to the Dodgers if you just sign this contract as a free agent versus if he doesn't, you go get a Corbin Burns, you go get uh, Dylan Cease, you have to use that prospect capital to get your pitcher. Now it becomes much tougher to get an outfielder. But Yoshinobu Yamamoto, if you sign with the Dodgers, you are going to put multiple rings on your finger, period, end of discussion, and you are going to make more money than you could ever even dream about in endorsements in Los Angeles. You need to be a Los Angeles Dodger, period, end of discussion. That's a pretty good sales pitch. You sure you weren't in the room there?
2: No, Making I was not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, th- all of those are really excellent points. And th- those, I'm sure, are on the mind of him as he's weighing this decision, as he is weighing offers from different teams. And that is a very difficult <laughs> offer to refuse. Now, he still has the ability. He still has the choice to be able to refuse that. Um and I'm sure he's getting a lot of similar pitches, maybe not to the extent of we're going to win – Multiple rings, but you could help be the catalyst to this. But I think the Dodgers present the strongest offer, and they have such a need for that. We talked about them acquiring Tyler Glass now. That was huge because I think he could potentially be a frontline starting pitcher, and especially if they're able to utilize him correctly and if he's able to perform a little bit better in the postseason, that's a huge get but they also need to add an additional frontline starting mm-hmm. pitcher. I think we all are in agreement with that. Yoshinobu Yamamoto can be that individual. He can be that number one guy that can help lead this team to multiple World Series championships. It's not just about, oh, you're going to be part of a World Series team. You're going to be help leading this staff mm-hmm. of a team that could win multiple World Series. And I think all of these different ideas would be such a great pitch and would be so difficult to refuse we'll have to see what happens though he still will have the choice as far as what will be best for him uh and then once Yamamoto decides what is best for him the Dodgers will pivot and they will try to make the best decision as far as what is next whether that is acquire more starting pitching after Yamamoto, whether that is trying to get an additional outfielder, doing whatever you can to help round out this club, make it as strong as possible because the Dodgers don't want to miss out on this opportunity, especially with these early years, when you have free men, when you have vets, when you have Otani, when they are more or less in the prime of their careers, this is when you want to capitalize. You don't want to wait until towards the end of Otani's 10 years. Sure, there could be some great players right there. But when Otani is going to be at his best, when Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are going to be at their best, or towards the beginning of this contract, you worry about a lot of those other years a little bit later. Right now, you got to do whatever you can to take advantage of the opportunity presented to you now. And I think that's something that the
0: Dodgers are actively trying to do. Let's get to some comments here. And just a reminder, I do have the link to our GoFundMe account, it is actually pinned to the top of this. We're getting ready to set up. I'm, I'm in the process of getting the Super Chat set up. It takes forever with YouTube. There was some confusion and this and that. But the, the Super Chat is almost here. But for now, we still have the GoFundMe. So if you'd like to donate $5, $10, dollars 50 cents or nothing, that's fine too. But every little bit would help get gas for Austin and I to these Loons games in Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Coach Holt and all that. Okay, good evening, Nando. We have a comment from Nando three ninety. This is a good question, Austin, and this will be right up your alley. Why not split the cost uh, that you would give uh, to Yam- Yamamoto and give those both of those costs to Jordan Montgomery and Blake?s Now I think I know your answer, but why would you say that that would not be the right way to go?
2: Yeah, and, and that's a really good. As far as an alternative, perhaps you have, let's say that you have $300 million set aside for Yamamoto. Instead of spending that $300 million on one player investing it all into one basket, why don't we spread it out a little bit, especially since there are a couple of other really good, talented, free agent starting pitchers as well. And, free agent pitchers that are lefties as well uh i think with montgomery and i think with snell there are certainly arguments that you could have that you could go after either one of them one i'll go ahead and say i don't think that 300 million would be able to cover the cost of both Blake snell and a jordan montgomery perhaps it could but i think snell is going to be looking for that 200 million dollar contract and i think montgomery is going to be looking for it five to six year deal probably in the 120 to 130 140 ish range something like that so the first thing i would say is it might be difficult to be able to sign both of them with that money you might have to spend a little bit extra money but the thing that you have to worry about with a lot of these free agencies again free agency is not about what you've done in the past it's about what you are going to do in the future and i think especially with a pitcher like a blake snell who has been a cy young award winner who has been had a really prominent really good big league career i think you have some concerns about the future that he's going to have as he enters his age what 30 31 season as he's getting older there's some concerning signs when you look a little bit deeper into the metrics, I think with a guy like Jordan Montgomery, obviously is not to the level of prominence per se like a Blake Snell, but he has been a really good pitcher. And especially this past season with the postseason performance that he has had. Um I think that was something that opened a lot of eyes towards the Jordan Montgomery. Do you overreact though to the postseason performance, which postseason performances, although it might be useful to look at because the environment is a little bit different? Do you overreact to that small sample size though? I get it, he was really good this past season as well. So there's a little bit of larger sample size. Are you talking about I think with both of those I was talking a little bit about Montgomery, yeah.
0: yes. He's been good for a while, yeah, man. I, I mean, he hasn't had an ERA over 4 since since 2012, since basically since 2019 if you don't count 2020. And I mean, his WAR's been good. His I mean, his his yeah. he's he's very attractive and on 5 yeah. years, man, I honestly think if you go if I'm not sure that wouldn't be my first pivot if you don't get Yamamoto. Because I like yeah, the free agency think, market to get an outfielder with your prospects.
2: Yeah, and I think Montgomery has been a really good, really solid pitcher as well. Uh, I think the question for him, just like Ape Blake Snell, is again, what is he going to do moving forward? Because so I think he's getting a little bit but, older. But what? But what part of 80s, his stats? What,
0: Thirty-one right now. What part of his stats would suggest? Let that me he's go ahead and look. regression. That would be my question.
2: Yeah, that is that is that's a really good question. I'd have to do a little bit more, and perhaps see, I'm underselling a guy like a Jordan. I Montgomery. think you are is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm right looking now. at
0: him. I don't see anything that screams to me next five years he's going to fall off the earth. I mean, I just don't see it. I mean, I and he's left-handed. Yeah, and, he's got and, a lot of experience. He has he has World Series experience. Man, he's mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's left-handed, and you kind of need that. He has World Series experience. You damn sure need that. He's good to begin with, and he's yeah. not like it's not like he's fifty, right? I mean, well, how old no. is he right now? He's thirty. Uh, he is uh, well. How old is he? He's about to be thirty-one. Thirty-one. So, so you're gonna get him from thirty-one, 31 to thirty-six. Season, so. You're gonna get if I mean you can't obviously predict everything, but if everything goes yeah. right, you're gonna get at least three out of those five years that are really good for him. That's pretty good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the
2: question is, would he sign that th- that five-year contract where you tried to extend it out a little bit more? I think if it's like a five-year deal, I think that's I think that's reasonable for a Jordan Montgomery. If you're the Dodgers organization, if you're looking to invest, I wouldn't necessarily go too much longer than that. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think you're probably right with that. I probably was underselling just how good of a pitcher Jordan Montgomery is, just looking at a lot of his numbers, looking at his FIP and ex-FIP. I'd have to do a little bit more just to see kind of what – um, kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive into him. Uh, but he is certainly a really solid pitcher, I don't and I don't think he's going to necessarily cost the – $300 million that you would set aside for a Yamamoto. I think he would be uh, a little bit of a cheaper price than that. The I, I, the only thing that concerns me with this, and I, this goes with all free agents. This doesn't have specifically to do with the Jordan Montgomery. I just have a little bit of fear, uh, especially when players are coming off of either career years or or coming off of a really high with a Montgomery who has been really consistent, who has been really solid uh, for quite a while now, and who has been consistently provided innings over the past couple of seasons. We saw him, we saw his performance in the postseason. It was really good. Um, The question is, are you buying and paying based off of that high, or are you going to be paying based off of what he's going to do in the future? That's where, at least a little bit initially cause there is a little bit of concern right there because you don't want to you don't want to overpay for a lot of these pitchers you don't especially because these arms break down a little bit you worry about concerns you also worry um there is philosophies out there where you don't necessarily want to invest long term in a lot of these pitchers because there is so much variability in that Uh, I think Montgomery would be a really solid option, a really solid pivot, especially if you're wanting to keep a lot of the arms for depth, if you're wanting to save a lot of those prospects to get an outfielder. uh, I I would lean more towards Montgomery than Blake Snell. That's something that I've kind of, I've I've leaned more towards just because of some of the concerns that I have with Snell. Um, But with that, yeah, I, I think I think Montgomery would be a pretty solid option. I'm, am all of this. I'm kind of debating in my mind, and I think this is something that the Dodgers do in their war room as well as. Yeah. Somebody brings up a great point, uh, and then you kind of debate and kind of go back and forth as far as different discussions. So I think this is really good and really healthy.
0: I think we're having a hard time with the internet. If if you're experiencing buffering, I I greatly apologize. I there's on these live shows whenever. <laughs> It is what it is. I have the best internet that I can possibly get. I think the audio will stick good. So even if the video breaks up, then I think the audio will stick with us and we're good there. So, yeah, you make great points there with Jordan Montgomery. Good back and forth there. Having said all that, my comments on Jordan Montgomery, I do think the first pivot for the Dodgers will be to call Milwaukee and try to get them interested in in dealing Corbin Burns. I do think that's the first – pitcher that the Dodgers would pivot to. Not necessarily publicly, but I think that's who they would pivot to first.
2: Yeah, and, and that's honestly where I would pivot to first, even no matter what happens to Yamamoto, uh, especially if Yamamoto decides to go ahead and sign elsewhere. I think Corbin Burns is the best number one type starter who could be available Via trade, there's been some rumors that Milwaukee might actually be interested in trading a Corbin Burns, especially after a lot of these pitchers and dominoes start to fall. I think he would provide you with the best upside for a pitcher now with him you would only be getting him for this next season you don't be getting him for 2024 which means that the price in order to get a Corbin Burns although it still will be high won't won't be too high um it's still going to be something that hurts but as opposed to a guy with three years of control two years of control it's not going to be as high but I think Corbin Burns would be that number one type starter I think he would be Honestly, with all of these pitchers, the best bet that you could have, even though he is one of those guys where you'd only have him for next season you would worry about next season and then after that you would try to do whatever you could to get another number one type starter whether that is re-signing a corbin burns or whether that's going elsewhere so i think that is if you want the best bet even over a guy like a yamamoto i think corbin burns would be your guy in that scenario
0: yeah and the the advantage of trade targets is the advantage of free agency targets is that you don't have to give up prospect capital right the advantage of trade mm-hmm. targets is that you, you do have to give uh, prospect capital, but you get the shorter amount of years in terms, right? You get the contract that they already have yeah. on hand. So that sometimes can help as well. So it's just kind of which way you want to go. I do think I've said this a couple of times. I think the Dodgers have enough prospect capital to either get a pitcher or a really, really, really great outfitter. I don't think they have the prospect capital to do both. So I think if, they, if Corbin Burns – isn't available at this time. I think your second pivot would be Dylan Cease
2: yeah and that certainly seems to be kind of the way at least there's been a lot of smoke as far as the dodgers and dylan Cease, as far as them being interested in them with dylan sees you have a lot of great tools that the dodgers could work with as far as their pitching development their coaching staff being able to unlock a lot of the things that he has showcased that he has flashed in the past being the second in the cy young voting uh, and I think with these teams, whether you're talking about the Dodgers being able to pivot to a Corbin Burns with Milwaukee or pivot to Chicago White Sox or if you wanted to go to a lefty like a Jesus Lizardo, I think there are very appealing players that are on the Dodgers roster towards the top or the front end of the farm system, meaning in Oklahoma City, yeah. in Tulsa, who might not have roles on the Los Angeles Dodgers team. And so for a guy like who, like Michael Bush, who deserves an MLB chance in the worst way, he could be part of that team where you'd look at teams like, especially Milwaukee and the Marlins, who, de- who need offensive pieces. Yes. They could be a place where they can find an opportunity for them. And especially because the Dodgers might not have a role if they are looking for an additional left fielder, We can talk about scenarios where Michael Bush could potentially have a role or Miguel Vargas could potentially have a role. Roles are very limited for the Dodgers right now. So being able to find a role and a suitor for him while his value is still incredibly high, while he's still 26 years old, if you keep waiting and waiting and waiting, eventually nobody's going to really want to take Michael Bush despite how good he is because he's getting older. At least his value is going to diminish Uh, And so the Dodgers need to find either find a role for a guy like him, for a guy like Miguel Vargas, or they can utilize those guys into some sort of trade talks, which I think if you're looking for an alternative to a Yamamoto, I think that's where you can utilize a lot of those discussions. You can utilize some of the guys where there is a logjam at the top of the minor league system that of guys that are needing opportunities to get to the big league level. We want those guys to get opportunities, whether they be with Mm -hmm. the Dodgers, whether it be with another organization, you can take advantage of the depth that you have at the top of the system to be able to acquire some type of superstar that can help put your team over the top in the world series. And I think that would be the move, whether that, is a Burns, whether that is Dylan Cease, whether you want to try to get a Jesus Lazardo, I think that's going to be the options that the Dodgers try to roll with.
0: They're going to get one of them. They're not going to sit where they're at right now. And the reason is, I I said in, in the offseason before they got Tyler Glass. Now, if they got one number one starter, they would be okay. That wouldn't be ideal. But that wasn't taking into the equation that you're also going to lose Ryan Pepio on your number three or number four starter as well so losing him you got to replace him as depth in your in your pitching staff right so the, Do- mm-hmm. the dodgers went one for one so you could make the argument that the dodgers still need two pitchers right so i say that only to say i don't think you could even possibly make the argument that the dodgers don't get any more pitchers i don't even think that's even a remote possibility so before we talk Lazardo, i think that that he's probably the third pivot I think you go Corbin Burns. I think you go Dylan Cease, and I think your third pivot is Jesus Lazardo. We will get into him here in a minute, but let's stick with Dylan Cease and and Corbin Burns. Is there any chance that Milwaukee would deal both Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas? And then there's a, is there any chance that Chicago would deal both Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr.? And if those both of those teams would deal. In duos like that, which duo would you rather have?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question uh, right there. I think I think if you're talking about duos that you would want to have, I would probably lean towards a Cease and a Robert with Robert. He is on a really good, really team-friendly contract. He has put up just an incredible, tremendous numbers, and especially while he's still young, while he's still very much in the peak of his athletic ability, I think that's when you'd want to take advantage of that. And he would be an outfielder that you could – implement right in there and then he is that fix to what you need in the outfield I am a little bit concerned about Luis Robert long term just because I think his skill set as far as his offensive profile reminds me of a Javier Baez type player and that hasn't aged well but I think During the length that the Dodgers would get him, I think he would be phenomenal. And so I think a pairing of a Cease and Luis Robert, I think that would definitely cost more in order to get that. That would be the package that I would want to prefer.
0: Um, You would take Cease and Robert over Burns and Adamas?
2: Yes, because you get more years of control for both of those guys. With Robert, you you get get him for three, four years. And with Cease, you get him for two years. Whereas if you're trading with Milwaukee, you'd get. Burns and Adames for one year apiece now it's going to cost a lot more if you're talking about I could have either one or the other I guess it depends on who I'm giving up kind of the depth that I'm giving up and what that's going to be able to do as far as flexibility for additional moves if injuries occur on the roster but as far as individual packages I prefer the White Sox one but yeah as far as the question of will they pair those two, I don't think what the White Sox, at least right now, are going to pair a Dylan Cease and a Luis Robert, unless the unless the package is
0: so the entire overwhelming. Top 30
2: prospect list. <laughs> if you're if you're trading him, if you're trading them, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes and the Great Lakes Loons for uh, Dylan Cease then Luis Robert, then I think the conversation can be started.
0: That's so in the entire roster, take, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the tire roster, throw in uh throw in a couple of the stadiums too. Uh no, and and that obviously would not happen. Some Otani and, jerseys, and so,
0: that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, a couple of those. Maybe some tickets to the World yeah. Series too. Yeah. Um no I, that is going to be a really steep price to pay. So I think the more likely scenario would be a Corbin Burns Willie Adams package, which it seems to it, there seems to be some sort of indication that they would prefer to if they're going to deal those two deal them separately as opposed to in some sort of package. Um, but with that, I think that's a more likely scenario is Milwaukee would pair those two, pair those two in comparison to the White Sox. Um still, bo- all of those guys are really intriguing options. And I th- I'm sure the Dodgers have their scouting reports deep on all of them. And they have uh, some sort of idea in mind as far as offers that they would present to those organizations if they need to pivot from a Yamamoto or if the opportunity presents themselves to acquire great talents like them. Uh, and I think it's also a really good point that you mentioned, as far as the Dodgers do need pitching right now. I think there's no doubt, and I think we we had some comments in some of the videos that I've seen in the past that the Dodgers need to find a way to fill 800-ish, yes. 800 and 900 innings from the starting pitching. Jay's pretty so good. That's go by up.
0: Jay, by the way. He's like yes, his comments absolutely. are always like, "Oh my god,
2: that's unbelievable." So then, so then you got to determine who is going to fill those innings do you put a lot of emphasis in a glass now to fill a bunch of innings i don't think that necessarily be smart one when you got a title glass now to be part of that postseason roster so you want thinking about 100 to 130 ish innings and then you go up and down the rest of the roster how many innings do you give like a walker buehler how many innings do you give a bobby miller and then you're talking about the rest of the young guys. Okay, how many innings are we able to allot the Emmett Sheans, the the Stones, the Nick Frossos? Okay, and then what is the path for a frontline starter? How many innings do we want to allot them? Mm-hmm. And then um, these are all conversations that you have to keep in mind with this. And you also have to have the depth to be able to adapt when injuries occur. The Dodgers can map out everything tomorrow, I think they would be super happy, and I think they would be able to find some sort of path. But they have to be flexible enough to be able to adapt to the situations that's a season that the 162 uh, games provide, and they're gonna. Which is why I think they're still looking for another number one starter, and then they could potentially, because they uh, decided to move on from Ryan Pepe, potentially look for another option as well, because they have a lot of innings to fill with a lot of guys who are questionable as
0: far as how many innings they would provide. So let's say that you need, out of your starters, what, 800 innings, right? Over one hundred sixty, Something like that, yeah. Somewhere in there, let's say 800. Let's just take it right there, okay? So let's say Walker Buehler 100. Would that be fair?
2: I I think that would be – I think you would be happy if Walker Buehler hit okay. 100 innings. Yes. So
0: 100 innings from there's so there's 700. I think you're at the best, you're going to get 120 out of glass now, right? So mm-hmm. there's 580, okay? And so Bobby Miller, let's say you get 120 out of him. Okay, I think that would be a pretty good ask of him, right? Maybe yeah, 130, so four, 120, six, 130. Yeah. So you're in about the 450 range now. Mm-hmm. That's before you get to your prospects. So basically what that tells you is if you get two more pitchers that give you 100 innings apiece – Okay, You're still on the 200-inning range for Emmett Sheehan, Nick Frosso, Landon Knack, River Ryan. I think he's eventually going to get put on the 40-man. So even if you go get two more pitchers from here, you still have a couple hundred innings to give away to your prospects and whoever it is that you go pick up. So there's yeah. no doubt about it. The Dodgers are going to go get a guy that at least when they get him, it looks like he could give them 130 innings. Right, because then that limits you, probably, to, you know, whatever it may be with, 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 Emmett Sheehan or Landon Knack or those guys. So I don't think there's any doubt about it. That's going to happen. Just from a numbers perspective, when you look at the amount of innings you have to cover with what you have right now, in best case scenario, I think you have to.
2: Yeah, and I think this is something really important to keep in mind, especially with a lot of these younger guys. I- I, look, it can be very difficult, especially right now, especially if you get another frontline starting pitcher or even if you get two pitchers to see opportunities or innings for a lot of these younger guys. However, it's important to keep in mind all of this, that they are trying to map out innings, that there will be innings that are mm-hmm. mapped out for an Emmett Sheehan or for a Nick Frost or for any of these younger guys too. Mm-hmm. Even though those innings might not be apparent or evident right now, there, I think there will still be opportunities through the course of a 162-game season. What I hope, and I think what you and I have preached a lot, is we hope those innings don't come in in short chunks i think yeah. we hope that those innings are able to come in more of longer chunks whether that is wait for 100%. walker bueller to start the season and you go ahead and roll out uh one of your younger guys to be able to give him a month to succeed to try to backload walker bueller's innings towards the end of the year so he can pitch during the postseason and be effective as opposed to trying to win games in april um you want to kind of save them a little bit more towards October? I think it's important to keep in mind that there are a lot of innings to fill and there's a lot of different variables that could come into play, which I think is why you need depth at the starting pitcher. But you also need opportunities for these guys as well to be able to be challenged and to have the opportunity to succeed. So I think it's a balancing act for the organization as far as providing opportunities can, keeping with the depth of the organization while also making sure that you are trying to win and get the best team on the field as possible. I think there's a lot of different variables that are at play right now.
0: Let me make this a little more simple. I think I made it more complicated sounding than it actually is. With what you have right now, if you go get two more pitchers that give you 120 innings a piece, two more from here that give you 120 innings apiece, like Pepio is going to do, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that still gives you right around 200 innings for Emmett Sheehan and all the rest of the prospects. I think that scenario right there, that's it. I think that is the scenario right there. And then, you, like I said, you go get an outfielder. Okay, so we talked about Dylan Cease. I think he's pivot number two. Jesus Lizardo, he's pretty – I mean, I think he's going to be a pretty substantial overpay for what he actually has produced because he has three years of team control left. He's left-handed. Did Miami Marlins have no real reason to get rid of him, right? So I think if you go get him, you're going to be overpaying quite a bit for what he actually has been. Am I wrong there? I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I think
2: with any of these trades, there is going to be an overpay that you're going to have because you are the Dodger, just because you have a reputation of having such a sound organization to where you have a ton of prospects and especially because teams don't necessarily want to help out the Dodgers. They don't want the Dodgers to have this super team because they want to be able to still beat the Dodgers as well. I think it's going to take a lot for teams to get rid of some of those guys. But with the Marlins, they have, at least in recent history, been a team that has been able to develop a lot of pitching. They've been able to develop starting pitching, and they have a lot of depth there. What they have lacked, though, is offensive production and i think this provides a really good opportunity for a lot of the offensive pieces that might not have roles at the big league level for a guy like a michael bush or for a miguel vargas if the marlins are interested in those types of pieces then i think that becomes a little bit more of a realistic scenario obviously it's not going to take just a michael bush just a miguel vargas you're going to have to probably pitch in a, a pitcher a maybe a catcher as well it's going to take a large it's going to take a large package in order to be that the staff even though you necessarily you don't want to just focus on righty versus lefty I think it probably would be helpful to have a reliable left-handed pitcher at the front or towards the middle of your staff and Jesus Lazardo over the past couple of seasons especially the past two seasons since he's been with the Marlins has been a really good really reliable pitcher for them and I think he could present that and be able to provide a lot of those reliable innings for the Dodgers and be able to bridge the gap between now and when some of the other left-handed pitchers that are in this Dodgers system are able to come up for when a Robo, Justin Robleski for when a Maddox runs uh, are able to come up. I think that could potentially bridge the gap in the left-handed pitchers uh, in that market. And I think Jesus Lazardo, although I don't necessarily see him as a frontline ace-level pitcher. I still think he's a really good, solid yep. pitcher who could be a number two or number three, and that is something that is still really valuable and could be an effective piece to have in the postseason and could provide something a little bit different than the hard, flame-throwing right-handers that they have a ton of right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, so Lozardo, I'm, I'm cutting him way too short. ERA 358, ex, expected ERA 396, FIP 355, expected FIP 372. So everything tells you right there that if anything, he might have gotten a little bit unlucky last year, especially when you consider that his K per nine rate is 1048. So there's a lot of swing and miss to what he does. He's left-handed, three years of, of, of team control, Man, with that type of picture, that that would take take a long, long haul. Okay, I have a question. How do you donate the link to our GoFundMe account? We don't have our Super Chat set up quite yet, but the link to the GoFundMe account, I believe I had pinned at the top. If it's not, I will try to do that. The link to the GoFundMe account is somewhere in the chat. If I didn't pin it, you just click that, and it'll take you right to the GoFundMe account, and you can donate. There, or you can go to my website www.dodgersdaily.net, and it's right there on there as well. It's the spring training, uh, it's the spring training fundraiser there. So, okay, we've had some questions about Christian Yelich. Would he be a guy that that would be beneficial for the Dodgers to seek out for the outfield?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a really intriguing piece, especially if you want to package a Corbin Burns with a Christian Yelich. With Yelich, I mean, he has a prolific history behind him. He is, I believe, an MVP winner, or at least was a runner-up in the MVP. He has been a really good piece for the Milwaukee Brewers, and there's a reason why the Brewers, who typically don't sign players to long-term deals, decided to lock up a Christian Yelich. Now, past couple of seasons, before this past season, there was a little bit of concern about his production, but I think he was able to turn a little bit of a corner this past season. Now, with Yelich, you're going to have him $26 million per year for the next five seasons. Yeah. And then with that, there is also a mutual option, $20 million for 2029, and he is 32 years old. So you're talking about till his age 36 37 season that you're going to have him Uh, so with him um i think if you package a christian Yelich and a corbin burns i don't think that necessarily raises the price of the deal too terribly much it could actually in a weird way lower the price of the prospects that you have to give up because you're pro- providing some sort of salary relief for the milwaukee brewers i think with yelich i think the question is for the dodgers do they still want to have financial flexibility or at least a little bit of financial flexibility over in the next couple of years dodgers can spend however much money that they want to especially with the contract that Shohei o- otani provided them but Christian Jelic, Jelic's contract is not nothing, and especially because it's coming a little bit more towards the downstroke of his career. And I he has think not he been a good defensive you know, player at all. That That's that's another really good, excellent point. And so with a Christian Jelic, I think he would be a great name. I think for the first maybe year or two, I think it would be something that would be great. And if you want to go all in over the next year or two, Maybe next three years to maximize the early window of Otani, Betts, and Freeman. That could be a move that you look into. But I think it provide. I think it just limits the Dodgers as far as their ability to just be flexible and fill needs as they need to. Uh, If you're getting a Christian Yelich, I think with. A lot of this, you're going to be relying more on guys from the farm system or guys with cheaper contracts. Maybe some reclamation projects have to be thrown in there in future years because a free agent that you could sign next year might get taken up by the contract that Yelich brings in. So that would be my biggest concern is the negative downward trajectory that he could potentially have of his career as well as the limitation as far as financial flexibility that you have for that it still would be very exciting to see Corbin Burns and Christian Yelich and if that's the price that you have to get if Corbin Burns is the only option out there perhaps then that is the move that you go ahead and do but right now Dodgers have some flexibility that's I would immediately move to that for those reasons
0: Yellich, the thing about him, he had a great year last year. His war was 4.1. He hit 278. He had uh, 19 home runs. His, his WRC Plus, was, he was 22% better than, than league average. But the thing about him was the three years prior to that, he was either average or below average. So the question <laughs> is, for all of that capital you're going to give up and the contract and all that, which Christian Yellich are you going to get? Are you going to get last year's Christian Yelich or the three years prior to that? If you got the three years prior to that, it would be a pretty tough contract to stomach. And we know that the Dodgers, they don't mind getting reclamation guys, but they don't like doing it like on five-year contracts, Like, right? right? They yeah. like doing it like on, on one-year contracts. So, okay, so we have Which a lot I of think, co- I, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I would just want to add one more point to that. With Christian Yelich, you mentioned him being a little bit more of a negative defender, and I don't think that necessarily is going to get better over the course Correct. of the years with where the Dodgers are at right now, they have their designated hitter locked up, which means they can't use a Christian Yelich in that designated hitter-type role, If especially if his defense further deteriorates. I think that would be a main concern that I would have is just with his limitation for defense, you're going to need his offensive to reduction to be overwhelming to make up for a lot of the defensive concerns. And I think with his... I think the bet for Christian Yelich as he continues on to his career, I think it's going to be harder to bet uh, for him to have an overwhelmingly good offensive production Mm -hmm. to make up for the defense, and you can't hide him at the designated hitter position. So a lot of concerning signs, but certainly an out-of-the-box unique Mm -hmm. idea that you could do if you needed to get a Corbin Burns, and that's the only option.
0: Michael Carrillo, good evening, and thank you for joining. Well, the Dodgers have to make trades regardless if they want to add more players. Jack, thank you for your wonderful comments. They're always so awesome on this channel. If Yamamoto signed elsewhere, how does he save face with the Japan press? I know better than Otani. Question mark, I took money over a Japan MLB team. Yeah, right, the Dodgers. Or then the Dodgers signed one of the other Japan pitchers. Fantexum TV, thank you so much for joining. Said, I would trade Vargas so fast for Burns. Yeah, I think we all would at that point. Jason Ceretti, thank you so much for joining. Coming off an ACL, is there any chance that Rice Hoskins could be a left-handed option? Lots of power there.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Reese Hoskins isn't he a right-handed hitter. He could potentially hit off against uh left-handed pitchers as well. I think I think with him I think he if I'm not mistaken is more of a first base type option yeah. with Reese Hoskins. Uh so with him um especially since the designated hitter role uh is kind of filled up unless you want to transition him maybe more into that left field if I don't know if he could play left field at, at at all um i think that would be my main concern right now with the yeah. reese hoskins unless i'm thinking of somebody else
0: yeah paul says love to have randy rosarina and luis roberts jr in the outfield would be insane yeah that would be Tomotley said i don't think the dodgers have an elite enough prospect to pull cease and roberts i would totally agree with that Tomotley, one of the best baseball people you will ever read about with the comments is tremendous here's a good one from charlie dodger charlie dodger good evening how about Brian Reynolds? He was mentioned a while back as possible trade candidate. Him and Keller. I know Keller's been, yeah, a, been is, a hot topic lately. I,
2: yeah, I, I think that's a little bit more outside of the box. I believe uh, with Brian Reynolds, he had signed uh, an eight-year extension with the uh, Pirates that started this past season uh, he had certainly, especially before that, been in a lot of uh, discussions for the Dodgers as far as different trade pieces. And I think with a Mitch Keller, I think he might be a little bit maybe that step or two below in the Dodgers pecking order as far mm-hmm. as Lazardo. So I think turning to that could be an interesting option. I think the Pirates, where they are right now, and they, since they were signed a Brian Reynolds, they invested long term. I don't mm-hmm. think they would abandon that after year one of that contract, especially because I think Brian Reynolds has been a good, solid, reliable uh, player for them. He had 2.3 war this past season. Uh, So with that, I think that could be another option that you could look into. I don't think the pirates would abandon from Brian Reynolds quite yet, unless the Dodgers presented some crazy offer to them. But I certainly like thinking about, yeah, I think like you looking into other offers, looking to other organizations for well for their talent. Uh I think you have to pay attention to every single organization and every single team and weigh all of your different options right
0: yep. now. Here's a good one from Hepsi. C. Hep C thank you so much for joining. Always one of the wonderful commenters that we have here. Would you deal with the devil would you make a deal with the devil and go after Framber Valdez? Who um
2: I mean, Framberg Valdez, I think he has been uh, really reliable, obviously, with the Astros. And so there's going to be a ton of bad blood with that. I don't think that bad blood should blind you from making a good baseball decision i don't think that should be the decision that you should make just because there it has been some sort of bad blood in the past i just don't think that the astros right now would actually be in a position to where they would move on from a Framber valdez he would be a good reliable left-handed starting pitcher that you could put at the top of your rotation mm-hmm. uh i just don't think the astros are in that position and i don't think he would be at the top of the list right now, especially since you have other alternatives. So uh, I would say I don't think we're at that position quite yet.
0: We're going to go to 945. We had Doug McCain at the top of the show, so it's taken us a while to get to the comments. We usually go till I said 945, 745 Pacific. We usually go till 730, but because we, we had the wonderful Doug McCain on, we're now getting to comments, and we want to make sure and get to all the wonderful comments out here. Fanta yeah, TV says, I'd trade River Ryan so fast for Lazardo or Burns. No doubt about it. River Ryan, absolutely the best athlete in the system, period, any discussion. He can windmill dunk. He has the high-riding four seam. He was a you know a, an All-American two-way player at, at NC Pembroke, and then he's also a two-way player with San Diego. Electric. The Dodgers would hate to get rid of him, but, again, he's another one of those guys, what's his path, right? He is the exact kind of guy that you create parades with. Because you go in and get an elite player or, you know, a guy like Lazardo that just fits well. So I would totally agree. It would give River Ryan the, the path that he needs with Miami. And it would bring the Dodgers, Lizardo, the, as far as the lefty and the type of pitcher they need to eat innings. I don't yeah, think they I, I, would go one for one, obviously. But. Yeah,
2: I was about just to make that point. I love with a lot of these trades i don't think a lot of these would be just be one for one they definitely wouldn't be but he would be the
0: big piece of the package
2: yeah he would be certainly a map a huge piece and there would be some other talented players probably guys on the 40-man roster because even if you try to go get a yamamoto right now you're still gonna have to find some sort of way to free up a 40-man roster spot for him so i think a lot of the Priority right now, especially in trades, are going to be a lot of those MLB ready guys that are on the 40 man roster. I think those are going to be the guys that are likely on the move because the Dodgers would have to find a spot to fill as well. So with ride he's not on the 40-man right now. He will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft after this upcoming season, especially for a team that might need a little bit more f- roster flexibility, kind of like the Dodgers do for the 40-man roster. I think that could be an additional appealing piece on top of just the athleticism and the great pitcher that he is. Uh, with a lot of these guys, it's going to be multiple, multiple player deals to get a lot of these targets, and I think you have to do whatever you can to try to build the best team for next season.
0: No doubt about that. Matt Chapman, what do you think? With
2: oh, uh, so he's he's third base uh, on the free agent market. I think with a uh, Matt Chapman, oh, a obviously he's getting towards he's getting towards the end of his career. I think defensively, I think he would be he would be so much more of an upgrade than a Max Muncie. Yes. I think it would be a trade off in value. I think with Matt Chapman. Uh, He has been a good offensive player. I think a lot of that offensive production as he ages, and I think there's still, if I'm not not mistaken, still a little bit of strikeouts in his game. I think part of that element will be there. I think the biggest thing that you would gain from Matt Chapman is that defensive ability that he provides. Now, with him, I think you're going to have to pay for – you're going to have to pay quite a bit to get him, and it's probably going to be more than the level of pay of play that he is going to provide. Yeah. And then you got to figure out where exactly you want Max Muncy to be. Do you want to move him back to second base and move Mookie Best back to the outfield? Right. Um, it's a no. He is? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Chapman is going to get a really nice, really solid uh type of contract deal that i don't necessarily know if it would be the wisest investment right now with some of the other needs that the dodgers have so i would i want to move towards him immediately i would wait and if other teams are not interested maybe then is when i would invest but i think there's a lot of swing and miss there's a lot of concern about his offensive profile moving forward. Defensively, he would be amazing at third base. Uh, But with the price that he is going to cost, I would hesitate for right now.
0: If you just want defense at third base, just put Chris Taylor over there. Chris Taylor will play just plenty fine defense at third base. But, again, we all want Chris Taylor. The reason why I want an outfielder, I think he'd be fine in left field too. But the reason why we want an outfielder is because I think Chris Taylor's biggest value is being able to play left field center field right field third base shortstop second base he could probably catch or pitch if you needed to right i think that's his biggest value so we have a couple more minutes here about five more minutes as we go down our comments do you have any interest i've actually seen this happen before with a guy that 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 uh that ala gamboa actually played with at fresno city college his name is christian funk he came to oklahoma state his knees were hurt his first year he was a good first baseman got his knees right, moved him back to third base for his senior year at Oklahoma State. He became an all-Big 12 player. He was a tremendous defensive player at third base. And so I have seen the transition back from first to third workout at the Division One baseball level, which is a pretty high level of baseball. But do you see any chance that could work for Freddie Freeman and flip those two, him and Muncie?
2: I don't envision that, and I don't think that – would be the likely scenario with that. I think. I think right now uh, the Dodgers understand the player who Max Muncy <clears throat> is. He is inconsistent offensively, but if you look at the large sample profile of what he has, he has been a productive player defensively at third base. He struggles quite a bit. Yes. Just plain and simple. Love the guy. Uh, and I think, but I think with the, I think with the the offense of upside that he has and with the superstars offensively that the Dodgers have even in front of him with the bats, Otani Freeman, the Will Smith. I think they, I think they are content right now with dealing with that situation, with dealing with a little bit of a weak spot defensively at third base, because I think they see the offensive production just being overwhelming that even with some of the blunders that he is going to have during this season I think they can live with that so I think right now I think the Dodgers don't want to mess with that I think they would rather just keep them in a little bit more of a comfortable place especially with Freddie Freeman
0: Teoscar Hernandez I know there's a lot of buzz on him another guy where there's a lot of swing and miss I mean, there's some downside to them, right? None none of these options are perfect.
2: Yeah, and and that's the biggest thing with this free agent class. There's not a perfect option that you could go and feel comfortable spending a ton of money on. Not that there usually is, but you have a little bit more concern with a lot of these guys. And as you mentioned, there is a lot of swinging mess. He does provide a lot of slug he does provide a lot of power and i think there, especially you saw that later in the season last season with Teoscar Hernandez and he certainly would be a right-handed piece 26 home but runs the
0: question, 51 yeah. home runs in the last 2 years 51 83 in the last 3 years yeah there's a, there's a
2: lot of uh, there's a lot of power there's a lot of upside right there the question is and i think this has to do with a philosophical question and something that i know was very much a cause of hurt for a lot of Dodgers fans is do you want to add another guy who is more of a swing miss try to swing for the fences type of guy to this lineup or would you rather go for a guy that has a little bit more consistent in as far as the bat to ball skills to try to lengthen out the lineup even more I think with the Teoscar Hernandez I think he would be He fits a little bit more of the profile of a guy like a Max Muncie. He would fit more of a Max Muncie where he he would hit a lot of bombs, but he would swing and miss. And how many guys do you want that have a lot of swing and miss in their swing in this lineup, especially because this has been something that has been cause for concern and has been a weak point in this team for quite a while. Uh, I think that is my biggest concern right now with a Teoscar Hernandez as you mentioned not not the great not the greatest defender out there as well so he can't provide too much value in that aspect
0: yeah and if you look at his war last year 1.8 which for an outfielder the average war is probably going to be between two and two and a half would I be correct there Austin? Uh,
2: so something like that it, yeah, war is difficult yeah. too, because it's a cumulative yeah. statistic. Um, uh, but yeah, something around there is kind of what you would be looking at WRC for, maybe, plus one Oh
0: five, which meant he was 5% better than league average. But if you look at his WRC plus numbers in the three years prior to that, they were really, really, really good. So you get to at Hernandez, you could end up getting, putting him in this lineup. You could end up getting really one hell of a player. I mean, you're really
2: good. Yeah, and, and there, there is a scenario to where Teoscar Hernandez is his best self, and, and especially because in this lineup, they will not be relying on him to carry the offensive production, or at least you hope they will not be in a scenario where they would have to rely on her, Teoscar yeah. to, revi- to carry the lineup. I think you could potentially put him in a situation to where he can be his best self. Uh, I just don't know if his fit is the best for the Dodgers lineup right now.
0: All right, Austin, any final thoughts?
2: I think I think there's obviously the Dodgers right now are hoping for the Christmas present of Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They're hoping that they're able to get that front line starting pitcher. Whether that is Yamamoto, he decides to go with the Dodgers and kind of surprises us it's, especially since the momentum seems to be more on New York side. You never know with this because none of us have any idea as far as what he's going to do, what he's going to decide, which makes all of this so compelling and why we're able to talk about this and have such a great crowd for this. I'm so grateful for the crowd, and especially in this Christmas season as we are entering into that, just a time for reflection and gratefulness, just so grateful for the audience. Uh, and hoping for another good Christmas present from the Los Angeles Dodgers is being able to just fortify this roster, uh, continue to try to build a World Series winning roster, and if trades are necessary, provide opportunities for a lot of guys that we've covered to be Mm -hmm. able to fill out Mm -hmm. their dream and get big league opportunities. I think that is a win. I think the Dodgers being able to get a lot of front-end talent is a win. All of this and the audience that we have Doug D uh being able to join the show just a lot to be grateful for right now
0: no doubt about that a wonderful lobby guys this has grown and we just want to thank everybody out there keep coming back again it's going to be as i transition over you see right there sundays at five o'clock pacific wednesdays at six o'clock pacific and fridays at six as well pacific time so hey Thank you again for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that like button, leave a comment, do all that. And don't forget, if you want to, to leave a donation on our GoFundMe account. I do have the link in the chat or it's on my website, www.dodgersdaily.net. So until next time, we again, we would like to thank everybody for tuning in and say, Go Dodgers!